It's time for the Security Token Show. We're here to bring you the latest and greatest in security token news. Coming from across the globe to your living room. And delivering all the latest STOs and getting you up to date on what's happening in the market. So what are you waiting for? Let's get on with the show. Hello and welcome to the Security Token Show. Whether you're joining us for the first time or joining us every Monday consistently, you know we're going to bring you the latest and greatest Security Token Show news. We're your hosts. I'm Kyle Solomon. This is Herbert Konings coming in from sunny Miami, Florida. And we're talking everything in investment banking, blockchain, and security tokens. But before we dive into the show today, I want to thank our sponsor, Accrue. Specifically, they've got new properties, Fry and Levitt, that are live on the Accrue platform. With investing as simple as a click, you can now invest in any of these properties for as little as 750 bucks. Fry and Levitt are both located in the culturally rich and walkable neighborhood in Chicago, and they are doing some amazing things. It's one of the most stable multifamily markets in the country, according to CoStar. And on top of that, the assets sponsor Fairchild Acquisitions has had over 20 years of experience with multifamily assets in the Chicago and Milwaukee areas. Fry and Levitt offer a wide range of amenities, which is exciting for tenants as well as for the equity owners themselves. Investors on the Accrue platform benefit from access to direct investment opportunities, as well as providing enhanced liquidity, flexible hold times, and quarterly cash distributions. So sign out, uh, sign up now at Accrue, A-K-R-U dot C-O, their platform now, and they're doing a limited time offer of buy one token, buy 10 tokens, and you get one for free. So thanks to Accrue for sponsoring this episode. That's a cool deal. And thank you to Accrue and our sponsor for making this show possible. So with that, let's get right into the top five. And starting off our top five things you need to know happening right now, we're going to start off with number five, specifically the Invenium Summit. So the Invenium Summit just happened last week, folks, here in Miami, Coconut Grove specifically, and it was incredible, Kyle. We're going to bring you all of the insights and what we learned later on our main topic. Major shout out to that whole team. We know how organizing events is not the easiest task. And then number four, Thailand's tax breaks. They officially came out and said, if you are doing a security token, if you are an issuer of a tokenized security, you have zero corporate income tax, and zero value-added taxes. So significant tax breaks coming out of Thailand in the adoption of specifically tokenized securities. We all love digital assets, but they want to focus on investments. Anticipated almost $4 billion over the next two years in security token offers. Pretty cool. Number three, Singapore's DDEX, which is actually owned by DBS Bank, which is actually one of the largest banks in Southeast Asia. So a pretty big platform. Noted that they've actually doubled uh, their user base of 1,200 institutions. 
And unfortunately, 2022 did not have the conditions, they say, for security token offerings, but they believe that 2023 may be the year that they originate some very high quality assets on chain. So that's extremely exciting, extremely institutional. Uh, congrats. Hopefully that happens to with, with uh, BDEX uh, exchange. Absolutely right. For now, they're just offering crypto and digital asset custody and some of those other facilitations. But Everybody knows that securities are a much larger industry. And number two, Kaiser Partner Private Bank joins the SDX network. They are the first Liechtenstein bank joining this network. And the network specifically is the Central Securities Depository, the CSD, coming from the Swiss bank. And specifically, that is creating tokenized debt offerings. They did an institutional debt with the European Central Bank with doing tokenized euro bonds. And they also allow for conversions from fiat into these digital mechanics, which is something we've seen pretty consistently offering an issuer or an investor the opportunity to have both because sometimes you want that traditional asset, but you want to realize the benefits of blockchain eventually. That's incredible. And last but definitely not least, number one, what we think you need to know right now is Finoa. Finoa has officially gotten three new crypto licenses, but specifically enabling to become a qualified custodian in Germany. So these licenses were granted by Boffin. That's essentially the SEC equivalent over there. And they are quite strict themselves. They have definitely an even more complex set of rules over there. And so this actually gives them a huge leg forward as an, an actual licensed qualified custodian for both crypto and uh, security tokens and digital securities. So I think we're going to see a potentially a lot more offerings start to happen as a result of now having one of the key pieces of infrastructure there in Germany, uh, which is quite a healthy economic market. So let's see what happens. Huge news coming out of Europe. Major shout out to them, as well as the APAC region, driving adoption of the industry. And with that, we go into more institutional news with Peter Gaffney. Let's do it. Welcome back to the institutional segment of the show. I'm Peter Gaffney, head of research at Security Token Advisors. What a cool week, all in all, as we've been able to see a lot of these major players that we talk about in action at the Invenium Summit down here in Miami. Can confirm tokenization is the institutional vertical within digital assets. Nonetheless, we're actually going to focus a bit more on a, a less glamorous side of the market, if you will. We're not looking at private equity funds. We're not looking at on-chain ETFs, but rather... Looking at the base layer of it all, on-chain settlement. Okay, so one of the pressing topics among many uh, investment banks and commercial banks alike, and during this tokenization realm, is how do we actually settle these transactions uh, and transfers right, that we talk about and that we're working with? We can't come back to the fiat rails. We have to stay digital. So I've already said on previous segments that the general stable coins likely will not be that solution. No Bank or asset manager is going to park $300 million of client money into a non-yield generating product like that. So firms are exploring how to combat that, and really how to address it. We already have companies like JP Morgan with JPM coin, an internal stable coin essentially, really a deposit token, which underpins nearly all of their Onyx blockchain initiatives, including the repo network, which has surpassed $430 billion in transactional volume since 2020. With a similar approach, Providence Blockchain has its USDF Consortium, which is, utilizes bank-issued tokenized deposits through a membership-based association of only FDIC-insuring banks. So this seems a bit more of an open ecosystem approach than Onyx is, although Onyx also accepts certain partners on their initiatives, as we've seen. 
Existing USDF's, USDF consortium members include First Trust Bank, Atlantic Union Bank, and figure among roughly 10 others as of now. That list will probably grow in the agenda. So on Thursday of last week, USDF uh, submitted a statement to the House Committee of Financial Services for review specifically on the topic of digital dollars. Again, not the most glamorous focus within tokenization, but certainly a facet that these banks and organizations need to address before anything will really move out of the proof of concept phase into the pilot phase and eventually into a full working product line. If you're in the banking space, start getting familiar with both JPM coin and USDF and even you know, the tokenized money market funds that we covered in previous segments. These will all be pertinent and commonplace moving forward. In fact, in our discussions, they already are. So that's all for today's institutional updates. Now let's see how Sam Sachs is breaking down the general markets. Hello and happy Monday. The security token market has rebounded this week, even with a sell-off in macro equities and cryptocurrencies. We're trading at just over $15.8 billion. And last week was chock full of news. So without further ado, let's get right into it. Hashtree Asset Group, the first in Bitcoin mining space under the Reg D and S filing to the SEC, announced last week with a strategic alliance with the INX, the broker-dealer and inter-dealer broker. The HAD Bitcoin mining security token will be listed and available to trade on the INX.1 platform. HAD breaks the investment threshold usually reserved for institutional investors and offers all eligible investors a brand new option to invest in Bitcoin through Hashrate ownership with the security and compliance of a regulated platform. Interestingly enough, you won't have to necessarily buy Bitcoin to have that exposure. And speaking of trading platforms, T0 recently posted a disclosure with very interesting highlights. The top of the list is that they have accumulated a $22.61 million loss as of September 30th of 2022 and added in a very ominous message. They said that if they do not achieve profitability or positive cash flow, the ability for the company to remain active will depend on the ability to raise more capital, which they may be unable to do so. Are we on the brink of seeing a giant in the space fall? We're not sure, and they need to figure it out quickly. And speaking of giants falling, I'm sure you've heard about the Silicon Valley Bank by now. Silicon Valley Bank, or SVB, a publicly traded Bank has built its reputation lending to some of the world's most innovative startups and investors, many of which in the cryptocurrency space. But the Nasdaq-listed bank has now been rocked by what some fear could turn into a very old-fashioned bank run. So how did this all happen and why does it matter? In 2021, SVB saw a mass influx in deposits, which jumped from over $61 billion at the end of 2019 to nearly $190 billion at the end of 2021. And as the deposits grew, SVB could not grow their loan book fast enough to generate the yield they wanted to see on this capital. So as a result, they purchased a large amount, over $80 billion worth of mortgage-backed securities with these deposits for their hold-to-maturity portfolio. Over 97% of these mortgage-backed securities were 10-plus years in duration with a weighted average yield of 1.56%. But there's a problem with that. The issue is that as the Fed raised interest rates in 2022 and continue to do so through 2023, the value of these mortgage-backed securities plummeted. This is because investors can now purchase the long-duration risk-free bonds from the Fed at a 2.5x higher yield. So there's no incentive to be buying from SVB. This is not a liquidity issue as long as SVB maintains their deposits since these securities will pay out more than they cost eventually. However, 
Thus last week, last Thursday afternoon, SVB announced that they had sold over $21 billion of these available for sale or AFS securities at a $1.8 billion loss and were raising another $2.25 billion in equity and debt. This came as a very big surprise to investors who were under the impression that SVB had enough liquidity to avoid selling these AFS portfolios. So they thought maybe some things are a little bit shady on the back end. So why does this matter to security tokens and cryptocurrencies? Cryptocurrency and security token issuers and trading platforms, they're not the only industry that is in battle. It is important to know that even the most regulated industries, such as private and publicly traded banks, are having trouble. Giants can fall and and regulators can only do so much. While many have called the run of blockchain dead, as we've seen what's happening in Silvergate and FTX, it's clear this is not the case. All markets are in trouble, and more often than not, times of high fear, uncertainty, and doubt, or FUD, end up being the best opportunities to buy. Are we going to look back in 10 years and say, man, 2023, I wish I had bought more security tokens? There's a chance, and we're going to follow it all. That's all for now, but have an amazing rest of your week, and I'll see you next Monday. To kick off our main topic this week, we wanted to give a full breakdown of the Invenium Data 3.0 Summit. This is an event that they held in Coral Gables, in the Grove, specifically at the Ritz, where they invited all of the different banks, all of their different traditional issuers, as well as us, to come by and check out what's going on. And we really thought that this was an important topic because of the fact that Invenium's doing some really great things in connecting the traditional financial infrastructure into the blockchain environment that we're building. And this is something that we've talked about quite a bit. Fortunately, they invited me on a few different panels. We had these conversations at length. This is not building a totally new environment that is going to redefine necessarily every company in the industry. As we know, as we've talked about, liquidity is king in financial markets. And so the traditional players are the ones that come with a lot of that capital, which is so important in driving deals and building sustainable capital markets and reaching the scale to actually get profitable and to build viable business models with a lot of the technology. And so bringing the tech providers together, focusing on standardizing all the asset classes, standardizing how we interact between different vendors and bringing everyone together in a safe environment to ask the right questions, not only around what's going on here, but where are the actual pain points that we can solve using this technology is paramount, especially in these current markets where we're seeing a pullback in liquidity. This is the time to build, this is the time to integrate, and this is the time to address some of those glaring needs in the market. And I think that we're going to dive into today some of the exciting ways that Invenium and and the the rest of the environment is making that happen. Yeah, no, I think it it was an absolutely amazing event. Uh, The fact is that whether it was the sizzle of security tokens kind of not taking hold in the early years or whether it was crypto markets going down, uh, whatever it may be, or maybe even COVID, the events around dedicated security tokens uh, are not happening that much. So Invenium is one of those companies that has been doing that. And this year, I got to say, it was an even better uh, result uh, over last year, uh, specifically because I saw issuers, uh, specifically real estate developers, fund-to-fund investors, fund admins. We had hedge funds, top investment banks, big banks in general, uh, and even developers, CTOs, and some of the crypto community. I even saw a Bitcoin maxi, Kyle, mm-hmm. uh, which still, so that brings the whole ecosystem together. We saw speakers from Coinbase, from Anchorage, from Bain, 
Uh, Mayor Suarez spoke, so we got to fanboy out a little bit. Absolutely. We're here in Miami. And uh, as I mentioned, some major, major banks and traditional players that work with Invenium, right? Like Oasis Pro and Onera and many others. Yeah, and bringing in BlackRock and some of the larger asset managers, really talking about what's going on from their perspective. I had some great panels with traditional REIT issuers talking about the opportunities there that they see and how these markets are, are not always equal and not always great opportunities, especially in private REITs, uh, private funds, a lot of these types of things that are what's actually being the honeypot for capital these days, and yet it's not as efficient as it can be. A lot of times because, especially when we're talking about real estate, which is one of those asset classes that's not only so large, but it's also so old in the processes at which they do it, Closing times are something that takes forever, right? 45, 90 days for valuations and closing. Why? Because all the valuation metrics are on PDFs and on faxes and, and weird email trains. And there's no way to standardize all the information that we're building here. And so creating pipelines and processes to do these things in a quicker process, not only for the capital flows, but also for the information and valuation flows is so, so important in increasing the deals that can get closed and decreasing the lead time. You said it. I mean, again, this conference was really one of the best that I've seen when it comes to institutional participants. Uh, and it was very clear where they see their value uh, in this whole industry, which is one, the data, that having that security, that providence, that ability to rely on that standardized information to be used across the life cycle of the security and the assets, that's of course something that they're interested in. We've been guessing it all along, but it's absolutely the case. They've been working on this. They're super excited across the industry. Um, and that's what led to a lot of the questions being asked around, you know, permissioned blockchains, the use of public blockchains. Richard Walker from Bain & Co., uh, he actually said in his speech that uh, he believes that at the end of the day, all roads will lead to a public blockchain. But that's not what we're seeing with Goldman Sachs uh, and JP Morgan, some of these walled gardens that they're making, some of the private blockchains like Corda that are being used out there. Uh, that's one of the main questions that banks are trying to figure out. How does that uh, affect their technical strategy, their business strategy, their, their overall benefits in this? Also leading into, of course, with different blockchains, you've got interoperability problems. Are bridges a Band-Aid? Are they not good enough? They're true interoperability necessary between, can we use wrapped tokens? Can we burn and mint? Uh, these were breakout sessions that we were having uh, and real questions that were being talked about, which is really awesome to see naturally the liquidity, Kyle. Is, is the main feature yeah. um, that everybody wants to talk about. And I think there were a lot of different approaches. I'd love to hear what you, you took away. But one thing that I saw across this event is specifically the fact that we are now looking and talking and asking the customer, what is helping you, big bank? How, how do you want to use this? What can we build for you? Whereas I think for the last four or five years, Kyle, this industry very much so saw a vision and a technology and a use case and tried to force it down the throats of whoever was interested. But now we've got Wall Street come in and say, all right, we got we can say, how can we help you? And liquidity is obviously one of those things, but it's not everything. So tell me, what, what did you think about all of this? Yeah, no, exactly right. I think on the side of the same coin there, what we saw from institutions 
were that they were actively participating. And this is not something that we've always seen, especially it was surprising to me just be considering the, the market and where it's at right now and how there's, you know, FOMO is not at an all-time high, right? We're not all in that bull market mania where everyone's trying to participate. This was really technical individuals coming in to say, all right, how are we actually driving these adoptions? What does blockchain actually provide for our business models? Here are our pain points. What are you going to do about it? And sitting in all those sessions, listening intently, providing feedback to the general narrative, I think is huge and very, very important. Seeing valuation providers like Cushman and Wakefield getting active and talking about what their process looks like today is so crucial because if you don't know what your end customer wants, you're just building technology or building solutions that no one's going to use. On your side of liquidity, I do think there's this interesting rhetoric that continues to, to pop up in these circles. It doesn't go away which is maybe trading while it's valuable and is sound and it sounds great. And if it happens, awesome. That may not be the number one source of liquidity. We may see some sort of collateralized lending that can be improved by having a much more streamlined data set and valuation metrics and processes for evaluating what the worth of an underlying asset is. And so seeing how collateralization may actually be an interesting liquidity mechanic is something that I think we're going to continue to see developed in a lot of these circles. Sec, sec lending is definitely a hot topic we saw at my panel uh, for uh, breaking uh, the mechanics of distribution out. We saw that there was an interest around the traditional players like the investment banks, the ones who control it today. Uh, the new players like we see with Oasis Pro and Onero over there and Accrue and many others. But then also, of course... They were saying a new bucket of the asset managers uh, out there, the RIAs, the ones who actually have a whole client base that will start to buy up security token products and offer them to their uh, clients. So definitely also very interesting, but honestly, Kyle, I, I walked away not even thinking about the bear market uh, with an all-time optimism for this industry because of the value of these sessions, the room that was put together, uh, I can tell everybody uh, who, who was there was like a kid in a candy shop that was that was learning. They were like, wow, we can do this and we can do that. And there's all these other opportunities, but we have to think a lot of this through. Uh, so it was a lot of focus around community, collaboration, figuring out these things. We support all of that, which is, I think, why we were so thrilled uh, about this summit, Kyle. Have a seat. Right. Hope they continue to continue to do great work like that. Uh, check out Invenium uh, if you are familiar with yeah. them. Nature shout out to Pat O'Meara, CEO. He, he does an amazing job. Great guy. And uh, Sam Grossman and many of the other individuals from their team. There's so many that were there. I'm sorry if I don't include all of you, but I'm so impressed with the entire Invenium team and what they've been able to put together. Thanks for the invite. We had a great time. And with that, let's head over to the companies of the week and end the show. And to close out our show this week, we're going to be covering our companies of the week. You may know it as the two companies in the industry that we wanted to specifically highlight for doing some awesome stuff in the industry. So Herwig, episode 179, who do you got? Oof. I have to give it to DeFiCon. I'm not so sure if I'm saying that right, but it is in all caps, D-E-F-Y-C-A. Uh, they're out of Luxembourg. And I got to give them my company of the week, Kyle, because they have launched on the Avalanche blockchain the one of the first that I've seen, tokenized private credit protocols. Hmm. So they are specifically focusing on debt funds, credit, on bonds. We are, this is a hundred, multi-hundred trillion dollar market, uh, but most people tend to talk about 
equities and other types of cool kind of applications when, when, you know, that necessarily isn't as sexy. But we just talked about it in our main topic. Collateralization could be a huge opportunity. Debt products are a huge opportunity for security tokens. And now they are launching a dedicated private credit protocol. Uh, and uh, actually out of Europe, uh, they're using the new MICA or MICA regulations. Again, not sure if I'm saying that, but these are the brand new rules around crypto uh, and security tokens. Uh, and so they're one of the first companies to have built a blockchain uh, solution for the private credit market under this new rule. So uh, for that reason, Kyle, DeFi is my company of the week. That makes total sense. That's exciting seeing them getting involved. We just talked about how the debt markets may continue to be a huge opportunity, not only for all of the top five news and all these different issuers doing debt products. But on top of that, seeing out debt may be a massive source of liquidity for these issuers, especially as the public markets have seen a pullback in trading volumes. Seems like the perfect opportunity. Well, I'm glad you agree. Wondering who's yours? Well, mine is our number one news of the week. I couldn't get it out of my head. I was excited about Finoa. Finoa is based in Germany, and they just got approval for three separate licenses, all which are crucial for the security token adoption. Number one, we've got crypto assets and securities custody. This is a qualified custodian, which means that they're able to hold and these funds on behalf of other issuers, of investors, of intermediaries. Number two is that they're a brokerage, which means that they can actually facilitate these transactions on the primary side. And then of course, they can also do trading on the secondary side. Finoa covering the map, Bafin, which is the German regulator, for securities and financial markets has approved them with flying colors. We'd love to see Finoa bringing products to market and hearing more from the team. That's a great choice, Kyle. There's a reason they made our number one piece of news this week in the top five. And with that, that's our show. If you've got any questions, thoughts, comments, feedback, suggestions, you know, we'd love to hear them. Kyle and I are available directly on social media. And of course, you can check us out at stm.co. It's your one-stop shop. All things security tokens, the latest news. That's where you find the show. Of course, uh, where you'll find all of the trading data around the security tokens around the world. We'll talk to you next week. And happy tokenizing.